I just want to um, introduce Lucinda, who is a good friend of mine and also is a registered nurse and um, currently is um, running Mindful Nurse. Um, and we're, our next session is in regards to mindfulness and I'm just going to be here to assist Lucinda a little bit as well. So hopefully this can um, give you a bit more clarity around mindfulness and things like that as well. So Lucinda can start and I'm just going to assist. Thank you. Well, thank you. I was so excited to see this many people here today. Self-care is so... I'm so passionate about it. It's changed my life. And it's the first step of actually thinking, hey, something's going on and I need to do something about it. So... First thing, stress is a really um, interesting concept in our human body. I used to think it was bad, but now our body's so clever. It's just a trigger. It's like warning, warning, how are you going to change something? So I've had a lot of personal stuff in my life probably over the last seven years and tried to change lots of external things and the only thing that I could change was myself. So the external circumstance is still very real, but the way I relate to it, it's a game changer. You only, the good thing is you don't need to change anyone else. You can do so much by changing yourself. And also with self-care, passionate as a mum, so I'm a registered nurse, mum. Now I've done coaching because that was what changed my life and meditation and mindfulness. And we're going to talk about the physiological aspect of what that does because it's amazing. And it, you can, I'm a theatre nurse. So I work in a very stressful environment, like critical care, and it's amazing what you can do with that stuff. So, yeah, so thank you all, and I get a little bit nervous. <laughs> so Joe's out here to support me. That's my self-care, and I'm very, I'm not perfect. No one is, we're all human. But the beautiful thing is when you actually accept yourself, you're so accepting of others, and you really, you know, nurses love to care. We care for ourselves. It's not even about, whether the cup's half full or it's empty, the cup is refillable. And when you know how to refill that energy or how to protect it, you can give. You can put that oxygen mask on someone else before yourself when you're aware of where you're at and how to fill it up. That's really important. Okay. So, our modern world. Nursing is crazy. <laughs> it's busy. Everyone's pulling you all around. So, how can we find that balance and that clarity? And we can. So, it's really important. Um, I used to try and do everything anymore, like all the time, multitasking. When you learn mindfulness, you can't multitask and, and you don't want to. But it's so funny how it works. I know we had a patient on the table that we were bringing in the other day and I was with them and helping them make sure because our beds are very tiny so we don't have a room. And the phone's ringing and there's these people going, are you going to pick up that phone? I'm like, no, I'm going to make sure you're okay and then when it's time, I'll get the phone. But the other people are like... <laughs> Like, so it's, it's really important and when you do have true self-care, you back yourself no matter what and it's just a beautiful place to be and I'm just really proud of all of you for actually coming and just making the first step because it changes your life and as a mother with kids, I gave everything for so many years until there was nothing left of me and if you asked me did I want that for my kids, I'd say absolutely not. <laughs> So we need to show them. We can't tell them. They're not going to do what you tell them. They're going to do what you do. So it's, it's so amazing to see the difference in your children when you start saying thanks, but no thanks. So, yeah. Okay. So mindfulness, what it brings, inner peace, wherever you are. 
Like you have this amazing ability to keep yourself centered and grounded no matter what. And it's amazing. And that's, a, that's infective. It really is. I had a beautiful patient once who actually I knew and I could see that she was on the list. So I'm very aware of vulnerability in the theatre. And like when patient, when like I've been into hospital about five months ago, so you're so vulnerable. You're giving your whole life to people you don't even know. And so I, I said, I know this person. I want to ask and make sure that they're okay with me in there. And people go, well, why would you do that? Because they're powerless at this point in time and you give them power to have a choice. They might not want me to know what happens. We don't know what happens. So anyway, she was beautiful and she said that's fine, but she also had massive anxiety. So I actually stopped, held her hand and got her to follow my breathing to calm her down and come through. So it's, you can do so, so much little stuff is big stuff. And it, and it feels good as a nurse to do that connection, to connect with your patients, to not be scared to connect. Because when you learn how to fill up your tank, you can connect because you just know how to fill it back up. Okay, so what is mindfulness really? Mindfulness, it's awareness. It's having that calmness in your body that you can actually have clarity of what really is going on. So, when, so like what Dot and Tiffany were saying, when people are in the victim mode, you're not taking it personally, you know where they're at. So if we were going through a really stressful situation, I could see someone's in that mode, I'm not going to ask them to help me right then and there because they've got their own stuff. I'm going to look for someone who's grounded and centred to help. So that's where this awareness comes. It's the clarity that you gain is amazing. Okay, so it's an internal and external awareness internal with you and then when you learn that you have the ability to see what's going on externally. So for Joe, like this is my third speech and the first one, oh my god, the stress response. If I put the pulse oximeter on my finger, I reckon my heart rate would have been 160. And literally we're going to explain what happens but I couldn't, I forgot what I was going to say because I couldn't access it. So we're going to talk about that. So especially with the doctors and the surgeons and that, I love this because it's physiological. It's like if you believe in all the anatomy and the physiology that we learn, then you can't really... There. Like, it's not... It's, so we're not going for the airy-fairy stuff. It actually makes sense. So internal and external awareness. So this is the definition of mindfulness. Paying attention to something in a particular way, on purpose, in the present moment, non-judgmentally. Now, it's pretty... It's a really hard place to get to be completely non-judgmental. Non it's really hard. And this is where we're looking inside. Like, are we judging someone? Like, you can see that in our workplace. Are there challenges that we have where we do sometimes make judgment of people? You know, and how does that affect that care? And then, for me too, when we sign up to our contracts as nurses, we're agreeing to all our standards and, that, and the way we practice, absolutely. But I'm on the Ethics and Values Committee now and I'm very passionate about that because also when we sign up for our contract, we also agree to abide by those ethics and values and, you know, to welcome people, to respect people. So basically that drops off discrimination, judgment, all that, that all falls off because we've actually agreed not to do that. And that goes for our staff and our peers and everyone else. So I'm quite passionate. I kind of think if everyone actually abides in accountability of their contract, bullying should actually just fly out the door. So, because responsibility-wise, we actually have said that we, we're not going to do that. 
And sometimes those things are very challenging, absolutely, and we're not going to judge people that are. But I've actually had an instance where that happened with one of my peers and I said, no, you don't get to do that, that's not okay. And I said, you can be that person, that's your choice, it's your role. But when you come into this workplace, you need to take that bag, if you want to say, put your bag in the change room, get dressed, come into the theatre, and then pick it up on the way home if that's what you want to do. Because at the end of the day, those people coming into this room shouldn't be put into that situation. And then from that compassionate point of view, it's like, okay, maybe you can't just lose that, which is fine. But then we go to management and work out how we're going to get around this, not just ignore it and let the patient come in anyway. So it's, I'm really passionate about this stuff. It, it changes everything. So paying attention to something in a particular way on purpose in the present moment. The present moment is an amazing thing. It's like the only time we've got is now. And we're going to talk about the stress response, but if all we've got is now, then what happened yesterday is irrelevant. So, so for example, if Lloyd and had, or I had a disagreement yesterday and we were working in the theatre together, if I hang on to that, we can't give the next patient that comes into our room the best care because we've still got this thing going on. So that's not part of our job description. So when self-care is now in our code of conduct, we have to be aware of what we bring to the situation, whether it's actually positive or negative, without judgement, but if it is going down the wrong way, how can we take that to the right way? So with kindness to ourselves, we have to be our own best friend. So it's, it's just amazing stuff. Sorry, I get really passionate about it. Meditation. So these are just some different examples of what people, other people believe meditation is. So pure awareness. It helps you identify your thoughts and not you. For example, I'll show you. Like our thoughts, we have like 60,000 thoughts going through our head. And are they tricking us? Absolutely. <laughs> like for example, the chocolate. We really want the chocolate. We really need the chocolate. So we eat the chocolate and then our body goes, <laughs> So is the body wanting the chocolate or is something else wanting the chocolate? I don't think the body wants the chocolate very often. But it's, it's quite, it's just, it changes everything. So it also, what can I say? The thought processes, they're just not always telling the truth. The first time when I was having that, um, really bad stress response right here on this stage. Like, my, I was in full flight fright, like I was going off. I just wanted to run out that door, thinking that I'm in danger, but I'm in a room full of beautiful nurses who care for people, strangers every day for a living. I shouldn't really be feeling scared. So is that really the truth or is that something that's been pre-programmed in my body? Like public speaking, for example. Why are we all scared to speak? Because I think Absolutely. Yep. Whenever you're a member of staff, you're always getting judged by your peers. Yeah. And we like it or hate it, we've got to remember we are in a profession which does eat its own. Absolutely. And, you know, no matter where you go, that's what happens. And that is the fear. So yep. it's, it's understandable to listen to why you're saying that. Absolutely. And why you would have that fear because some people are really confident. See, I'm a very confident person. I can get up there, I'll have a talk. I yep. know some people that won't hand over. They'll give me their patient handover, so I'll hand over their patients. Yep because they still are worried about judgment from the other staff that they're handing over to, yep. have that on the right care. So, you know. And, and that is such, like, it's so true. But we need to, like, when you look at the standards, communication for patient safety, 
when we're aware of that, we've got to come up with something of how we can actually learn to communicate rather than just say, I'm worried about what you're going to do to me, I'm not going to do that, because ultimately that's the patient then that gets not transferred. So, well for me, I got stressed doing public speaking and so then the next, so this is where we're going to use stress to build. Okay, so warning, warning, something's not right. Why aren't I happy? Why aren't I confident? I've got a message that I want to share and how can I get it out for you guys to actually be open to listening to it and maybe use it? Because what I want to tell you is listen to what I've got to say. I'm one person on this planet, but go and try it on like a new pair of clothes and make, see if it works. If it works for you, great. If it doesn't, don't use it. But when we're shut, if we've got a door shut, you can't walk through it. So if you've got a closed mind, you can't learn anything either. So have enough, open up and see what, see what it does. Play with it like a new toy, like see if you like it. Some things work, some things don't. So yeah, but, so I went to Toastmasters and this group at the university, oh my God, they just blew, <laughs> they blew my mind. I went in there and I don't know what, I had this expectation of all these really great public speakers and they're the most beautiful people. We've got this one young guy, he's probably 25, in a wheelchair, can't talk, got the hearing aid. He reminds me of Stephen Hawkins. He's running a Toastmasters class off his computer with the voice generated. <laughs> I'm thinking, what's my problem? <laughs> like, and then there's another one who's completely blind doing Toastmasters by Braille with his guide dog. These people want to speak too. And it just made me realise how important our communication is. And then the part where we come back to ourselves is how do we project that communication? There's an amazing nurse I know, phenomenal, awesome, but oh my God, nearly tries to rip your head off. So where's that communication safety coming from? That, that makes people scared to even do, you know, like that's a big block to communication safety. How can we take that, how can we take that wall down? Because she has an amazing message to share. She, she's onto it, but she's putting her own block there for what she wants to share. So this is just coming back to ourselves. How can we do this? How can we change this? And how can we just be better? Because I really believe our, our time on this planet is to grow. Even if it's just one foot in front of each other every day, that's it. And being kind, compassion, okay. So also the realisation, you can get rid of negative thoughts. You can just let them go to the side. You don't have to buy into them. I know I had a lot of emotional abuse and domestic violence and it took a long time to actually rechange that neural pathway from that negative. So, but you can do it and it's powerful. So how can mindfulness in nursing, like how does it change? Well, burnout, stress, I love my days at work and they're some crazy ones, but I'm very good at self-care. I'm very good at going to work without having my life at work with me. I set it up really well before I get there. I know where my daughters are. I know where they know where I am when they need me. I know that they'll call, da-da-da-da-da, and then I go to work. And in the theatre, it's very easy too because we have a patient list. So I'm very aware, like when that patient comes in, it's that patient. And then I change and relook at the list and bring in. So I'm focused on that patient. Even a, um, a perfect example the other day was we were doing a really big case. We had a really big case coming next and I was the scrub nurse and the patient coming next 
didn't want the procedure that they were consented for. So <laughs> one of the nurses wasn't game to tell the <laughs> surgeon she wasn't going to say, but someone piped up in the middle of it and said, said that. And this surgeon actually walked over to me, so we scrubbed, and she goes, what the hell am I supposed to do with this? And um, what am I supposed to do? And I, okay, so I just said, you need to take a really big, deep belly breath. <laughs> you need to hit your vagus nerve and kick into your parasympathetic nervous, nervous system and calm down. You need to let it go. So, and she did, we laughed. But the funny thing was, the funny thing was, when I say let it go, what am I talking about? Am I talking about, hey? Yeah. But where are we? Like, say this is the operating table. Where are we? We're talking about a patient that's not even in the room. Who's looking after this patient? She laughed. We came back to here. You let it go till this patient's out of our care, and then we deal with that. So we're not letting it go, but we're staying focused. And in that critical care situation, it is amazing how we can bring those people back. Because if I'm on the table, I want the people working on me to be thinking about me. And we're all human. They're human. So they get distracted. That's a distracting thought. They've just quickly jumped over to this side and they've left this. So I'm really good at staying on my path. You, Joe can go and give me a shove and I'll go, hi, Joe, and I'll keep going on my path. And that is the most freedom. That is such freedom. That's with anything. That's with my children. Everything. It's just beautiful. It's amazing and it's quiet and it's peaceful. It's very challenging at times. So when we learn to do this, it's rewarding. You feel really good about what you do and the care that you give. And that's everything, because at the end of the day, you are the one judging yourself. Did I do good? Did I, could I do it better? So probably judgment's not the right word, but you're going to check in and say, well, maybe could I do that better? Or, and if so, then like Tiffany and Dot said, well, what's the action I'm going to take to get there? And that makes you feel good too, because you're actually moving to the direction that you want to go. Okay, so promotes collaborative working relationships, absolutely. I think when I went for my last interview, they said, well, what are you going to do about conflict? I said, I'm not going to have any. They said, what do you mean? I said, because I'm just not going to be part of it. I've learnt that. I really have. Like, I can't, through my experience on my personal life, I had, I lived for my children. And then when those children, they were sort of removed from me from the point where I did everything and I learnt that I'm still here. I'm still breathing and I'm still okay. And then what I learnt to do was to help my children be the most successful they can be. I want them to live, I want that to live in them. I don't want them to need me. I've lost both my parents too. I don't want them to think that they're only going to be okay if I'm here. I want them to know that they've got everything they need inside of them and they don't really you know, I want them to get that, and they do. And that's, as a parent, that is the most rewarding and freeing part that I can think of. Mindfulness and coaching, life coaching had a big part, learning different personality archetypes and understanding that we're all different and accepting that and working with everyone's different strengths. So, for example, there's a perfect rebel archetype. We usually have about three or four different personality archetypes. One's mine, the rebel. It's taken me to 42 years to realise that sometimes when someone tells me to go that way, it might be in my best interest to do that. <laughs> it's taken me a long time. But usually you'll spot a rebel, you'll ask them to do something, and they'll just go, nah, 
because you've asked them to do it. So a lot of our kids, we have kids that are rebels. So we've got to come up with, okay, well maybe instead of telling them to do it, we change the style of how we're going to work with that person. So we're going to say, oh, I don't know, what do you think about this? So they're choosing and that's what they want to do. So we have staff members like that. So you give them that, so you work differently with different people and that comes from awareness too. But it all comes from calming that body down in that parasympathetic nervous system in homeostasis where you can access every part of your brain. It changes. Why should we care about this? Well, we've been put on notice that we actually need to now. It's part, like, we need to be aware of our own self, um, our stress levels. We need to be aware. And I think when you're not aware, well, that's a story. But when you know better, you should do better. It's part of part of it. So this is just, um, if everybody's not aware, the new code of conduct came in on the 1st of March this year for both nursing and midwifery. And it's actually in the code of conduct now in regards to having to take self-care. So, I mean, it's part of, you know, they've recognised that it's a significant aspect that nurses need to do. You know, how can you be a carer if you don't care for yourself? And which is what Tiffany and Dot have already sort of emphasised right through this morning. And that's what we're talking about, is this is about, we want to be carers and we want to give the best care we can, then we need to start looking after ourselves. Yeah. If you asked me 10 years ago if I thought I was a great nurse, I would have said, yep. But now, knowing of how to take care of myself, I'm a much better person to be around and I'll give more and I'll respect more because I respect myself. Like it's, I can't explain how that feels until you do. But it's like, if someone calls in sick, some of the people are like, oh my God, what are we gonna do? It's like, when you know if you're sick and unwell and you need to care, I mean, we care for people that are sick all the time. So it's like, okay, they're unwell, let's, well, it's okay, you stay with your family, we'll sort it. And we do, and that's where you come with more energy to that situation because you've already topped up better. It's, it's very interesting. So yes, so we, we've been put on notice that it's now our accountability to definitely take note of our, of our stress levels and where we're at. So this is actually it. So responsibility to maintain their physical and mental health to practice safely and effectively. Act to reduce the effect of fatigue and stress on their health and their ability to provide safe care. So all this is in your notes. So, okay, so this is really interesting. This, is, this, is, this changed my life learning about this, the stress response. <laughs> yeah, so to learn that and to understand what goes on in the stress response, so this is where we're going to talk about the physiology thing, is that we're going to step out of taking anything personally because it's... They can't hear you. So like when Lloyd said people are worried about the judgment of not speaking up on a communication level, well, that's like a flight response. You're choosing to actually stay out of it rather than to go through that motion because of fear. So what we need to learn is it's really important what sort of presence we bring to our workplace. Are we approachable? Do we, like I see people that say they're very approachable, but then you'll hear them talk about everybody. And so... Also, are you aligning? Like, are what you're saying and what you're doing the same thing or are they different? Because I'm not gonna just go off what you say, I'm gonna look and be aware of what's going on. So, and, and nurses, that's probably one of the things that saddens me is to hear us talk about each other and not support each other. Because that actually, like Dot and Tiffany, it conquers and divides. 
rather than unites. Okay, so the stress response. So what happens when something actually triggers us is like we all feel it, our, our adrenaline starts racing, our heartbeat goes up. But the biggest thing that really happens in the stress response is something happens in our brain and the part of the, our brain that shuts down is the prefrontal cortex. Now, the problem with that is that when that shuts down, that's, that's like the um, conductor of the orchestra. It organises all our logical thinking. It's when we learn. I don't want to be in a theatre with someone that's prefrontal cortex is shut down. I don't want him working on me today. <laughs> so it's, but at the same time you have compassion. They're going through a really stressful job. They have people's lives literally in their hands. It's funny, like when they do get in a stress response, because they do, it's like I say to someone, you're not the one who's ever told someone that they've just lost their relative. They do that. That's their reality. They, they have... They work with that. We don't. We have so many lines above us. They're the front call. So having compassion for what they're doing is important. They're human beings too. We're all human beings. It's funny. Um, one nurse said to me one day, oh, he's really arrogant. He's, he's really, you know, not very nice or whatever. And I've gone in there. I hadn't done it for a long time. I was like, I haven't done this for a long time. Help me. I'll do whatever you need me to do. I just... And, I thought about, I went home that day, he was beautiful, he was helping me, and I thought, you treat people like a human being, you get a human being back. You put someone on a pedestal, guess what? You're underneath them. But you put them there. We're all human. Even the queen. <laughs> we, all, we all come into the world the same way, we all go out the same way. We need to, it's taking that judgement off and just being compassionate and kind to everybody and working together. So, okay, so we've got this part shut down, so we can't access it. Fight, flight, freeze. So we can't access this logical part of our brain. So that's a problem. Like, it, like we're talking about when we do that fight, flight, freeze, then with our communication and our patient safety, that becomes a big issue if we're chronically on that stress cycle all the time, which a lot of people are. A lot of people are like on a big rat reel that don't know where to come off and our bodies get so used to just being on that. I used to be like that. Actually doing mindfulness and meditation was one of the last things I started because I struggled with slowing down. It was always had to be going at 100 miles an hour. So usually when we were being chased by a tiger or something in the holidays, when we had the, um, our fight, flight, freeze response, as soon as the issue was gone, our body would naturally jump off the parasympathetic nervous system will kick in and we get to homeostasis. Now that's if the event's left in the past. So I want you to really think about that because if I said, oh, Joe, yesterday, you know, we had that argument, oh, this happened, and da-da-da-da-da, if that was so, if that really got my heart racing, I'm just, I can actually physically get my body back into a stress response just by bringing up what happened. So... You know, you've got to leave it in the past. So who's in control of that? You, if you choose to talk about that again, you're bringing it back. It's really interesting. Sorry, yeah? No? Okay. So what mindfulness can do, and when you get the awareness, is our bodies work with stress in an amazing way. It's, it's like a little warning. It's like la, 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 la. And then when you have the awareness, you can actually consciously look at that and see, is it real or is it not? 
and then you still got that conductor online and you're going to make great choices. You're going to come from the best version of yourself when you can do that. You're going to access the best parts of yourself. Okay, so I love this. This is so true when you're in that stress response because you can't access it. I don't know how many people have gone, oh, I was going to say this and next time I'll say this. Simple thing is you can't access it because your brain was shut down. That, that sounds quite funny. It's like you know when it kicks in. I, um, one of the beautiful girls that I know that was doing a maths exam, she gets really like a lot of anxiety. Perfect, 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 boom. What happened? That's where her stress response kicked in. She couldn't access it. So I love this with kids too. If they learn how to work with this, they can, it's just amazing. They can just take off. Okay, so this is just reinforcing what we're talking about. The prefrontal brain, um, prefrontal cortex shuts down and it goes to your limbic system. This is all in your notes if you want to go back. Okay, it's been really well documented as meditation can change your stress um, threshold and mindfulness decreases stress. So for me, I meditate every day. I do it 40 minutes in the morning and 40 minutes at night. Why do I do it? I do it, I reset every day. Like, and it works for me. So I'm very aware, like now that I'm in the theatre in stressful environments, I get, like Dorothy and Tiff were talking about the bags. <laughs> Oh, is there a bit of bags at my feet today? Okay, I'm going to move them. So I'm not going to worry about them, I'm just going to move them. So that's what I do and that works for me because I'm very aware of my energy levels. I can feel when they're getting depleted and when they, they're not. And it's very, very powerful. So we've just got this one little moment yeah, meditation. So we're just going to play this clip and it asks you actually to do it. So this is just one moment of meditation. So this is just giving you a little bit of a tip of how you could maybe just give that. So if you can just follow the, 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 the video when we, we play it. It's just to give you a little bit of a tips of how if to do it. If you're comfortable with it, yep. do it. If you're yep. not, just so. sit there. Even if you don't want to do that, just try and sit quietly and just think of nothing. Like just try and listen to the traffic, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's just learning to put a pause in the music sort of thing. It's just learning to let your body stop. Thank you. Yeah, well done. That was beautiful. That was so quiet. That was great. It's so important to just have that, that quietness sometime. And to learn how to do that in a moment can change your day. Like, we can't really say that we don't have time to do, like, just a breath to calm down. Like, we're busy, but we're breathing anyway. So and I think it's a good thing to have that technique when you feel that stress response coming on yeah, that, that Bill was talking about. So, you know, when you feel yourself getting, losing that control a little bit or getting a bit anxious or getting frightened, is just giving yourself that chance to just take a moment and reground. And you can look at self-care. Self-care encompasses so many different things, but self-care is looking at, like, getting you to do the best job you can do to protect your, your livelihood and that. Like, to know when to say no. It's, that's self-care. Being able to say thanks but no thanks. I know many years ago in the operating theatre, um, it wasn't perfect. We only had one team on call for the whole Christmas and we were there New Year's Eve and we were there till like five o'clock in the morning and called back an hour and a half later by a different team and they couldn't get one of the girls. It's like, it's okay, she'll be asleep, I'll go grab her on the way, so I did. But we worked that day till two o'clock in the afternoon 
And then I said, that's it. We can't do it anymore. You need to get another team. And they're like, you can't do that. It's Christmas Day. I said, no, we're not safe. We can't do this anymore. It's not okay. And then now there's two teams. So that's how things change. Someone, sometimes someone has to be the brave one. And when you know that it's when you know why you're doing it and you believe in what you're doing, it's okay for not everyone to get it. But you know that you've tried. And that's everything. That makes you feel good when you try, when you're brave and you speak up. So, okay. So Dot and Tiffany were talking about the neural pathways. It's really interesting. So depending on what choices you make, be them negative or positive, your brain creates a path. So obviously, if everyone walks down that same path every day, the grass disappears. So what we wanted to try and make sure is that they're actually positive paths. But also, when you have mindful awareness, you might go this way today, you might go that way tomorrow. So one day, you might put the oxygen mask on yourself first, but then if you're really good and you know where you're at and whatever circumstance is happening, you might actually say, yes, I know I'm supposed to do that, but I'm going to choose this today because of this. And you're making that logical choice from the place. I know as an um, instrument nurse, we're not meant to handle sharps anymore. We're meant to have a safe dish all the time. And I do. But I'm telling you, if that surgeon's got a bleeder and he's head is in that wound, there is no way I'm going to make him take it out of my hand. I'm going to put it in his because, and if you want to have a go at me for that, go for it. But I'm going to stick by that. So, but it's a conscious choice. I know why I'm doing it. And I've made up what's positive and what's negative. So sometimes things don't go to plan. A lot of the time. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So neuroplasticity, what Dot and Tiff talked about. The chain, you, you have the ability to change your brain. So we're going to talk a little bit about implicit memory, which is the memories that you start having and building from child, from, your, from when you're a child. And these are unconscious things that happen. So for example, public speaking and just the fear of that and then having that stress response is all done unconsciously. I know for me, not being able to feel like I could voice myself very well, I used to have panic attacks just at the thought of doing that. Now, is that real or not? This is the thing where the awareness comes in. Is it really a danger or what's going on? So when you get really calm and you get the clarity, you can work out, you can actually make that conscious choice about what's happening. So understanding that subconscious things are going on without our control, but being aware and thinking, well, how can we bring them back in? So they drive behaviour without awareness. So, for example, we're talking about the staff member that who knows the staff member that always goes from 0 to 100 in less than two seconds? Yeah. So is that an intrinsic path in the grass path that they've always done and they just keep doing it? Sometimes it keeps getting done because it works. If I'm really scary to you, people back off. <laughs> Not everyone. Not when they become mindfully aware. It won't work that way. So this is where we change. But having the awareness and to not take it personal that someone works like that is a really powerful place to do. And when you've got that, then you have the ability to change and make it a positive experience. We have doctors all the time, surgeons, that definitely go straight down that path. And when we talk about stress, and I want to talk about the upside of stress, which this lady, Kelly, Mc, what's her name, McGonagall, she's got a TED talk that's really quite amazing, the upside of stress. So we say that stress is bad, but you know what? 
Stress also brings the most beautiful aspects of human kindness and compassion at the same time. It wasn't that long ago we had a surgeon that was obviously in his implicit memory going bananas and the poor nurse was just losing it. The one nurse straight in scrubbed to help her. All the nurses are help supporting her to get what she needs to help get this go through. So we're not really jumping on his bandwagon. We're helping get push that through. And that was a beautiful experience. And I made that my mission to focus on the positive aspects of the nursing to come around her than to focus on his challenging, probably a little bit negative implicit memory reaction. So we chose to respond to the beautiful stuff rather than focus on his reaction. And it was very interesting how that can work. Explicit memory is the memory that you know that you're having. So sometimes for me, like with that panic attack stuff, I can remember something that happened that was bad and then I would think that that was always going to happen. So that can happen in the workplace too. You can have one really bad experience with someone so you think it's going to come every time. So you're preempting that. So when you start getting this mindful awareness, you start having the understanding of different things that are going on in your brain and you're not taking them personally and you, you really get to sit in what is really going on here. So, okay. So we can't hear. If someone's yelling at someone, like how... So both people in this picture, if they're both nurses, they both have accountability of where they're at. So it's really not, like even though we can't hear, we're putting our hands over our head, when we're there and we know that we're not performing to the best level anymore, then how are we going to push through that? How are we going to learn? When you get self-care and you get good self-esteem and you know who you are, people can yell at you and you seriously can understand that that's not actually about you, that's in them. It's like you can put so much pressure on a monk, you're not going to get any anger out of him because there's none in there. It's not coming out. It's that simple. So it was quite funny. I'm a bit chubby at the moment. And I was sitting across the tea room the other day and there's this beautiful young girl. She's gorgeous. And she's talking about fat stuff or whatever. And I just looked and laughed and she goes, oh. I said, yeah, I'm fat, but that's okay. I'm good with that. And she just laughed and we just moved on. Because that's not... Because I don't take other people's stuff on anymore. And that's a really powerful place to be. I'm, I'm where I'm at at the moment and I'm okay with that. And it's quite funny because I was anorexic as a child. So for me to get to that place, I know I've done a lot of groundwork. So I was like, oh yeah, that's cool. And she just laughed. So it's quite funny because I'm laughing. So we don't have to buy into other people's stuff. We just don't. But we do have a responsibility to know where things are letting us down with our practice and when we know that, how are we going to push through this to give our best level of care. So that's, yeah. So it's like the security guard. So the amygdala is the security guard which is in this fight, flight, freeze response, the stress response. And then we've got, you can say the conductor is doing your prefrontal cortex. It's very interesting, one time... I was with my daughter and we were going to the shopping centre and we were down in the bottom of this big car park. And as I walked in, I just noticed there was a gym sort of over there and it was quite isolated in that. And I went to, I don't know, I don't know why I noticed that door, but I did. And we went to walk into the, into the lift and there was this man behind me. And 
my body's just going nuts and I'm really calm now. So my security guard's going warning, warning, warning. And I'm listening to it because I know if it's overacting or it's not, I can work this out. Anyway, I'm like, my body's saying, don't get in this lift, don't get in this lift. Anyway, it's opened up and there's a mum with a baby in this lift. And I've gone to step in the lift and he's stepped in. And then I'm just like, no, don't do this. So I've stepped out. Well, he's stepped out. And I'm like, right. So I've got Jessica. And then luckily, the lady with the baby, she's taken off. So that's nice. And then I'm thinking, right, the gym. So I'm like, come on, Jessica. <laughs> and we've gone into the gym. So we've walked straight in the gym. I said, don't turn around, just walk into the gym. And I've gone up to the man at the desk. And I have this care track card, which is like, you know, the... I don't know if you guys do it in Sydney, the care track for the gym membership with the healthcare. And I'm just going, oh, do you do care track and that here? And he's telling me. And meanwhile, this guy's literally standing at the door. And I just keep talking. And I said, Jess, don't look at him. Just keep talking. Anyway, eventually he just moves away. And um, I said, I'm really sorry. I said, thanks for that. But I really was freaking out about that guy. I'm not quite sure what he was doing. But yeah, <laughs> anyway, thank you. And then we took off. But I don't know what was going to happen, maybe nothing was or whatever, but what I really made sure to point out to my daughter was, if something doesn't feel right, don't do it. It's okay. But the fact as soon as when I stepped out and he stepped out with me, I was like, yeah. So I trust that because I've learnt how to get that so calm that I trust what's going on in there. So that was just a little example. So your body is clever. It picks up stuff. That sixth sense, we pick stuff up all the time. Nurses pick it up all the time. So trust it. Honour your body. Love your body. It's smart. It's clever. It fights for you all the time. Yeah. Okay. So that was just a little... So that security guard, when you get really calm, that's really... Um, it's on point. Listen to it. But when we're in that full-on stress all the time, it's sort of a bit chaotic. Okay. So when you do mindfulness, you become the observer. So you get to be aware of what's going on. So it's like the snow globe, you know, you've got that head full and when you learn how to calm it, you clear the snow dome down and all this stuff settles to the bottom and you've got clarity. So that's just those pictures, so clarity is what comes. So you cultivate that witnessing awareness, so we keep talking about the awareness and what comes is that ability to really see what's going on. So you can take... For me, I'm always a bit of a shy person. Like my mindfulness and meditation practice was quite personal. There's heaps of apps on phones and stuff. Um, I've got some links at the back, like there's free ones. I love, like you're <laughs> sitting at sport in the car with the kids, you just sit there and do it, it's okay. And, but the beautiful thing is too, when you do this and you practice this self-care, it rubs off on your kids without you even saying anything. I actually um, had an ambulance to me about six months ago in the middle of the night and um, anyway, it was okay, they took off. But I woke up the next morning and my, my little girl had my phone and she had this, it was open on the mindfulness meditation app. She was doing mindfulness for kids. She, so she's smart, like she's working out how to hang in there in that, and she's 10, like, so yeah. It's cool. You don't have to tell them. They'll just, if it works and they see you being calm and open and it just happens. And even with my boys, they don't live with me. And I was thinking about it the other day. But I have quality now. It's not quantity, but they're really respectful to me now. What happens on the other side, I don't know. But 
It's, it's that self-care and that self-preservation um, is important. My eldest son, um, his graduation, I asked him if he wanted me to go. He said, no, I'm going to go with my mama. I mean, with my stepmom and my dad. I said, that's fine. Okay, no worries. And, um, and then I, taught, I actually passed that on to the school because they wanted RSV. And I said, I'm okay with that. I'm happy to respect his wishes. And now they've got a breakfast. And so I said to him, I'd really like to go with you. Would you like me to go? Oh, yeah, I'd love you to go, Mum. So just hang in there. Be brave. Stand up for yourself. It turns around. You respect yourself. It's kind of interesting what happens. And that makes me really proud as a mum. He doesn't need to be with me, but he's kicking, like, yeah, maybe this is how you break the chain. So cultivating that self-awareness. What else have we got? Non-judgmental awareness. Well, like I said that day with that person where I um, stepped up, where I thought that was inappropriate, where we were coming with that patient at the beginning, having that non-judgmental awareness of being able to do that and then to move on because it's quite amazing if I had judged that person that's peer of mine I would have missed everything yet I've seen the most beautiful compassionate person through that person in different situations we can't just pick one bad thing that happens and think that describes them what about all the 75 good things we do it's it's and it's so important to recognize the good because like Dot and Tiffany said that's where we want to go, don't we? Don't we all want to go to the good side? <laughs> yeah. So it actually is not buying into it. And you become a really powerful advocate to do that, to not buy into people's interpretations of where you're at, but you keep moving forward. And you stand firm anyway. As I remember once, too, we were trying to put a, a blade on the scalpel handle. It was so hard, the, the force that we had to do was ridiculous and I was like I, I want to see someone about this because I'm very I'm very good at caring for myself which means I'm very good at caring for all the people I work with I was like that's all well and good when that's a clean scalpel blade but when that's dirty and we've got to change that that's a very dangerous position we put in that's probably the worst needle stick you could get is being slashed with a dirty scalpel blade so I was like that's not good enough anyway <laughs> the person comes in and goes no one else has got a problem with this I said, okay, that's fine. I said, would you like to go and put some sterile gloves on and come and try it for yourself before you make a decision? So not buying into them, but being able to be like, yeah, no, I'm not making it. But how can you make that decision without even having a go? So funnily enough, a lot of people did have a problem with that and it's been rectified. So that's great. But you don't stay there and you don't judge people. You just move forward because at the aim... I love the saying, are you having an argument or a discussion? They said the argument is trying to work out who's right. The discussion is trying to work out what's right. Is, is it about you or is it about the bigger picture? Okay, so we're just regulating attention. How do we regulate attention? Well, that's where we're going to talk about mindfulness. So paying attention on purpose and just bringing in that um, sympathetic nervous system and that calmness. I'm very passionate about that from a pre-operative and post-operative care because you can't heal unless you're in a state of homeostasis. For all those patients that are coming to the theatre, if they're stressed, it's not good for their healing. So I want to try and bring that down. I'm very passionate about that. So how do we strengthen it? We, by practising like any other muscle. So starting to breathe and just playing with it. You know. So, yeah. Okay. So we can consciously breathe. 
This guy is pretty cool. I don't know if you've heard of him. Um, Stieg Avril Severinsen, I think he's Dutch. He actually holds the Guinness World Book of Records for free diving. Who, who knows how long he holds his breath for? It's 22 minutes he holds his breath. He talks about stimulating his vagus nerve. So you've got a beautiful vagus nerve that runs from the back of your brainstem, goes, connects your heart, your lungs, and all your internal organs. When you stimulate that vagus nerve, it drops everything, it kicks in your sympathetic nervous system. That's how you can bring yourself back online. It's really powerful, it's quite interesting. Don't believe me, go and try it. You can get on your treadmill with your pulse rate, start breathing through your nose and breathing deep into your belly. You can increase your intensity and you can drop your pulse rate. So he talks about, you know, we, we breathe 20 to 30,000 times a day and when we're unconsciously breathing, we're not using the best part of our body. So we can, if we choose to consciously breathe, we actually oxygenate our body much better. That's perfect for healing. Like, when you're healing, what else have you got to do? <laughs> You've got plenty of time to breathe and breathe with purpose. You're going to perfuse your body much better. The thing is, when you breathe into your abdomen, it means your diaphragm's pushing out your abdomen. It means you're filling your lungs. That's what's happening. So it's, it's awesome. And you see that when we do a colonoscopy and sometimes they'll ask you to put abdominal pressure on to get around. And all of a sudden, your anaesthetist will be saying, get it off because their pulse rate's going down. It works. So, and at 22 minutes, it works. So that is something we all got to breathe. And in time of crisis and that, just simply doing that changes everything. You, you stay online. You stay being in charge of what you, you're making conscious choices. Okay. So belly breathing. So we're going to have a little practice at belly breathing. So. For girls, like, I used to try and hold my belly in all the time, so that's sort of gone out the window now. So, <laughs> so you're just going to place your hand on your abdomen, so, and you want to try, I always just think into my belly, so, and I always try and breathe through my nose now, but you want to take a big deep breath in and see if you can push your belly out. Yeah. You feel like a bit of a goose, but sorry. <laughs> I'll be the clown today. <laughs> There's no, you just got to practice. Practice and, uh, you know, obviously sometimes it's more personal. Like These are all, you've got the notes and there's a little thing. So just practice. What it's doing is you've got your vagus nerve that runs through your heart, your lungs, and uh, your, into your abdomen, and it actually triggers it. And that once you trigger that vagus nerve, everything drops and it brings in your sympathetic nervous system. You'll see the drop in your pulse. It works. It's amazing. It's really, it is. So that's physiological. That's not airy-fairy stuff. Like, <laughs> so that's where it's, it's kind of cool. And brings us online so yeah so I just think down I don't know why I just sort of think and you can feel it come out you just got to practice you just yeah so it's pushing out you just practice and play with it I mean if you 
Oh, sorry, yeah. I just wanted to tell you I saw that happen. I didn't know anything about the patient. I came in to help a junior member of staff yep. as a child. Yeah. I didn't have any of his history, but I knew he'd just been to surgery. I wasn't in that section, so I hadn't received a handover, but a um, junior member of staff just pretty much pulled me into the room and said, can you help me? I don't know what's going on. Yep. I said, sure. So she just probably gave me about three bits of information about the child, his age, he'd had surgery that day. She said, I don't know what's happening. So you talk about intuition. I actually thought, I think this child's having a panic attack. Yep. I've never seen anyone have a panic attack. Yeah. I've heard of it happening. But something in my gut made me think, I think he's having a panic attack. I knew nothing about his both parents. Yep. This was the first time I'd laid eyes on him. Um, as I said, the nurse gave me a few little bits of information. Um, I started talking to him and he seemed to listen and he, get, he sort of engaged. I thought, oh, okay, uh, distraction does work well. We'll try some slow breathing as I was talking to him. Instead of panicking myself, I actually went into this very calm state and said, oh, I want you to slow down your breathing. He said, I can't breathe. He was telling us he's going to die. He said, I can't breathe. I said, you can't breathe while you're talking to me. You need to listen and slow down your breathing and we can help you. So he actually did. And the father was sort of looking very edgy, but he didn't say a word. And I just really engaged with the child. And I said to the other nurse, call um, your plan B. I said, make sure you call a clinical review. If I hit the buzzer, it means comes immediately. Yeah. But I think it might be anxiety. So I, I knew I had that backup plan. I didn't want to just take it out of my limb. If he was dying and he yeah. said he was dying, yeah. I can't just decide no. that I can do this. But the nurse could see he'd already started to change his um, whole demeanour. Yeah. So I said, I just quietly said to her, if I call you, it means, like, put out the review. But I actually thought calling a clinical review, everyone will come running in and will make the child feel worse. Yeah. So I sort of went out on that limb, but I, as I said, I had my backup plan. Yeah. The father didn't even hear me say that to the nurse. I then could see that he was on a monitor. I could see his heart rate just trending down beautifully, like what you said. As I said, I've never seen anyone have a panic attack. Mm. A close friend of mine has had one. She told me about it. Yeah. But I've never physically seen one. And I saw the heart rate come down. I was just very calm with my speaking. Internally, I was probably yeah. <laughs> busting. <laughs> but for some reason, my just really calm voice came out. Sometimes that happens when there's an arrest yep. and everyone's really stressed. Yep. I seem to be able to just tell people what to do, even though if I was put in the position like you are now, I wouldn't be able to get up there and talk. But it was just an automatic response. Yep. And he followed what I said. And he's, he's, he actually thought he was going to die. So I spoke to him about it afterwards. And he actually was taking... First of all, he was fighting me, saying, I can't breathe. That when he started listening, he was taking... I said, don't take little bird breaths, you're not a bird. And he actually was... I could see him breathing and I could see his heart rate. Yeah, wow. And then as he was coming near to... Um, I was talking about how this helps with any of these S words. I just was making it up as I was going... Not making it up, but I was drawing from past experiences. I said, or oh, any of these S words, it really helps breathing when you're sick, when you're sad, yeah, when wow. you're scared, when you're sore... Sometimes when you're silly, this really helps. We can just slow down our breathing. And right at the end, the father said to me, can I add another S word when you're stressed? I said, yes, I could do. 
I could take a breath. And it really helped because I didn't let the little boy know that we were stressed, but the father was extremely stressed. Yeah. I then said, is, is there any chance he might have been uh, having some sort of anxiety? Or And the father said, he's definitely got anxiety. I said, I wondered whether it might have been a panic attack. I, I'm not here to diagnose. Yeah. No. I'm just seeing what's happening in front of us. And the father opened up with me and said, he's got extreme anxiety the mother is even worse yeah. who wasn't there at the time yeah. and the child has obviously got some anxiety as well it was a panic attack as I said I did go out on a limb but I could see him improving so it exactly what you said on the previous slide about the heart rate I saw it happen yeah. and the child calmed right down and took it on board and I said there are little tools you can take through life and I've had a caring nurse come up to me and say you need to take your own advice you know we do we forget to breathe yeah. I, yeah. I'm guilty of that myself so it yeah I just wanted to share that oh, with good you. on you I think I'm he was about eight or, kids, eight or yeah. ten years old yeah <laughs> that's beautiful thank you yeah. so much for that that was yeah. great thank you so just on the rest of your slides it'll talk about alternate nostril breathing so there's different types of relaxation breathing too just play with them and see what you like. Maybe you don't even like that. Maybe, like, I think surfing's meditation, swimming, like in the beach, ocean, whatever gets you to your good place. And, um, yeah, thank you, everyone, for listening to me. And Thanks, everyone.